Hey everyone, welcome back to Pretending With Dice. As always, I'm your host and Game Master, AJ. Uh, just a super, super short intro this time. Uh, more of a sort of apology slash explanation <laughs> as to, uh, to why this episode was pushed back by a week. And that's uh, basically, I was away on uh, holiday, away on vacation. Um, I'd hoped to get all of the editing and everything done for it before I went away. Uh, to have it sort of upload, uploaded and scheduled for our, our regular release uh, date, the one that we announced at the end of last episode. Uh, but unfortunately, I was unable to do that. Uh, hence why here we are. Uh, if you're downloading this the day it comes out, a week late. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's by way of explanation. Uh, apologies again, as I say. But um, hey, you know these things. Uh, these things happen. Um, yeah. So I, I guess that that's. Uh, I just felt like I needed to explain myself. So, anyway, without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. Enjoy. After a short rest and after his owl friend takes off to go hunt for the evening, uh, Kirk is going to get up and head towards the gates and see if there are guards around that mm. you can talk to. So the, the gateway you're approaching is uh, what's known as Westgate. Westgate itself is sort of its own little kind of mini quarter like settlement <laughs> within the kind of greater boundary of, of the capital the walls that are facing you are, are pretty high there it, it's a very thick sort of outer defensive wall that's kind of a holdover from before the the demon war 60 70 years ago it, it's kind of the the outer defenses sort of thing of the, of the the city itself the city being the kind of the largest on, on the continent pretty much the, this outer wall is actually encloses an area probably about 10 15 miles across and this is meant to sort of s slow and stop any kind of invasions slow them down enough to kind of allow the the armed forces inside to deploy and keep them away from the, the central city itself westgate is one of the the main sort of entrances to the the sort of greater city area itself and it's a, it's a pretty high double set of gates that seem to be pretty much at this point permanently open you're, you're not even though it's sort of approaching evening you're not showing seeing any signs of preparing to close the gates um, however there are quite a lot of uniformed people around uh, as you approach the the main thing that kind of strikes you as, you as you're approaching though is that sort of built into this gateway itself is essentially a full castle would you say um kirik's been near to the capital before does he have any kind of conception of sort of what the lay of the land is here or anything uh i would say that his time spent in major cities has been pretty minimal. That's not where he's comfortable. Hmm. So while he will go there, and he's probably more familiar with Westgate than the city proper. Yeah. It's not like his favorite place to be in the world. No, no. So you sort of, as close as you've come to the city, it's pretty much sort of in this kind of outer areas of the city. Maybe here, maybe mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's other kind of major gates and 
minor gates kind of arranged around this you know the the outer wall i mean it's a huge area really that's enclosed Mm -hmm. but yeah you would know then if you've kind of been in this sort of general vicinity before that um this castle built into the gatekeep is known as the uh the sapphire keep and is actually it's kind of the main garrison for the um the outer wall but it's also um the headquarters of the the army of um of the whole country really even though you can you can see quite a lot of people, guards and stuff on duty on up both atop the wall and kind of at ground level, that's sort of to be expected. There's a fairly um, you know sort of steady flow of traffic, you know, both on foot and, and carriages kind of going in and out of the gate as well. I would say you're not. It doesn't look like everybody's getting stopped by the guards. They're kind of keeping a fairly casual look. You know, they're they're just kind of this is this is the day to day business here. You know, this is the capital city. There's a lot of traffic, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, you do see occasionally, though, people getting stopped and questioned, even as you're sort of walking up a sort of a larger cart that gets sort of waved off to the side. And there's a sort of sign stuck in the ground on the. This is all on the outside that says inspection area. There's a few carts there that are, your soldiers are sort of looking over. It doesn't appear to be like anything on like high alert or anything. It doesn't look to you like anything sort of untoward is going on. This just is the nature of uh, nature of this entry basically mm-hmm. is there somebody who's like noticeably in charge of the guards in this area uh make a perception check uh we're getting the kind of garbagey ones out of the way so that's an 11 11 i'll give it to you with an 11 yeah because i mean it's it, you know this is a fairly i mean it's a busy entranceway but like the kind of person you're looking for is going to be a little bit easier to spot i would say you know you're not looking for is there anybody hiding in the shadows or anything like that you can see there is where most of the soldiers are pretty much sort of armor and they've got like tabards on there is one with a he's got a kind of clipboard <laughs> we'll say and his uh, his uniform does have a uh, uh, shoulder cape um in blue sort of thrown over the shoulder and he does he does look like got slightly nicer set of armor on him i would say it was just kind of looking around and um it's directing people here and there and you can't he's not occasional sort of shouted orders but generally kind of is talking quietly to a couple of other soldiers who were stood next to him all right kirk's gonna approach him looks up at, as you approach the the other soldiers who are with him as well take notice as you, as you kind of step forward one of them takes a sort of a, you know step forward kind of slightly imposing themselves between you and and their commanding officer, but um, not in a sort of violent way. Just not pulling, not drawing a weapon or anything. Is just sort of wanting to be the the point of contact. So, can I help you? Um, I've I've word from Colton's March. There's there's been an incident, and I think it's going to affect the king's celebration. Uh, there was an attack on the road, and they stole an opera singer's face. And I felt like I had to warn you about that. Stole, uh, stole an opera, opera singer's face. Yes. So, um, let me start over. Um, I was in Colton's March traveling with some friends, and we came across a carriage attack. Um, only the singer survived. She was in town, and then when we were sp- speaking with her, uh, she said that some shape changers potentially had stolen her face. And, uh, they were headed here, and it doesn't sound great. As far as I know, my friends are on the way. I was just sent as sort of a, a, a foreguard, if you will. He turns back to his, uh, commanding officer. 
Captain, apparently there's been some uh, trouble in... Uh, where, did, where did you say it was? Colton's March? Mm-hmm. Um, not sure where that is, Captain. Captain looks up. Some 80 miles away. Uh, yeah, right. Well, uh, there's been some trouble. Some opera singers had her face taken off. Um, we're... Uh, this is something to do with the, the King's celebration, did you say? Yeah, she's supposed to perform for the King, and if someone stole her face to take her place... Hmm. You might want to keep an eye out for that. So we're looking for someone with a stolen face. Well, we know where the person with the stolen face is. We don't know where the person wearing her face is. Well, what, what kind? What kind of face? I mean, what was this? What does she look like? Um, she's a young lady, and blonde hair, human, goes by the name Marianne. Supposed to be a big deal. I don't really go in for that opera myself. More of a music hall guy. Kirk just nods, like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Bit fancy for fancy for my taste. What about you, Captain? Captain sort of looks up. I didn't really get to the opera house very often myself. No. Well, good news. We have an opportunity for that. Uh, bad news. It may come at the expense of the king. That's bad news, isn't it, Captain? Captain. Yes, that is... Concerning, what did you say your name was? Oh, um, my name's Kirik. Well, uh, Mr. Kirik, come with me. We should probably take a statement. He sort of gestures towards uh, the kind of gazebo set up to one side, which he guess is generally associated with the inspection area. But he sort of gestures for you to take a seat at the table. Kirik is absolutely compliant. He's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no need to make this worse than it needs to be. Yeah. Do you need me to write this down or just relay it again? So let's let me let me see if I've got this straight, and then we can fill in any gaps. So um, you and some uh, companions were traveling uh, Colton's March, and there was a woman, an opera singer there, by mm-hmm. the name of Marianne, whose face has been stolen, mm-hmm. with the goal of killing the king. Well, I can only guess as to what their goal is. Yes. Uh, do, do, who do we know? Who 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 stole this face and? Uh, how do you how do you know they're coming here? Well, that's where she was coming. The whole troop was coming to perform for the king. Right, right. And they took off in a carriage, and they rushed right past us on their way. And that's as we were going into Colton's large, we found the scene of the crime. Hmm. Do you, do you know what this carriage looked like? I mean, it doesn't. We have quite a few, as you can see, passing through here every day. What kind of role do you want? Do you want an intelligence or a wisdom check to I see guess, if I remember? Yeah, because you didn't actually see it. You've got a kind of you've got a vague description of it, I will say. So I guess maybe make like a hmm. I think just a general wisdom check to sort of see if you can. This is more of like a can Kirik put together a can a coherent enough <laughs> description <laughs> kind of thing. That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, with a whopping twelve, my dice are okay. Eating cute today. <laughs> Okay, so well, I guess the, the details you had then... Did it at least have four wheels? Yeah, it had four two? wheels. Like... <laughs> it was... Um, I'm trying to think what I told you, actually. Made of wood. Yeah, I think well, maybe we can kind of... I don't need to kind of maybe repeat everything because I can't remember what I said, but... <laughs> but that's okay, because Kirik didn't know yeah, either. Yeah, we so. can say with a 12, you give over a description... You give, you give over a description worth 12. Perfect. Which... 
I would say doesn't narrow it down. I mean, you, you, even amongst yourselves before you came here, you didn't have a particularly like, oh, that's it. This we we know it had this distinguishing mark on it or anything like that. So you already had a, a sort of idea that like this is a fairly tough to distinguish coach. The only distinguishing thing for you really was that it went real fast past you in the night, and there weren't any other ones around at that point. You don't recall any damage being mentioned or anything like that. Um, and no particular sort of ornate carvings or anything like this. But you're able, to, I think, able with a 12 to give over a sort of a, as good a description as you can with that. But then at, the, at this point, the well, once you've sort of given, well, it's, you know, it's got four wheels and it's enclosed and it had a driver, it definitely had a driver and it's made of wood of some sort, it was going very fast uh, a day or so ago. <laughs> That the the captain kind of frowns and says, "Well, well, that's uh, hmm. We can keep an eye out for for that, but I'm afraid that's eighty to ninety percent of everything that could pass us through here. And it's containing a human, young human woman. I mean, again, that doesn't that will narrow it down some, but not uh, not a great deal, especially if they've already passed through. Hmm. Well, surely then we know." where the celebration is happening and therefore we should be able to find out where all the performers are staying right uh, that's uh yeah well uh, yes of course if, and if you if you're saying that they're performing at the opera house then that would be the place to go next um it's a little out of my jurisdiction but i i can um i can write you a a missive you would be able to take on to um my colleagues in the central district yes and uh my my friends should be here in uh, Perhaps in the morning, but they'll have the young woman with me and can give you further details from there while I go into town and deliver this. Very well. Uh, well what are your, your friend's name? I will um, I'll make a note of it. I'm, I may not be on duty in, in the morning. Uh, we have Miri, she's a Tabashi, and um, Uga, who uh, poorly dressed for the weather, very sharply dressed <laughs> otherwise. Sharply dressed for the opera? <laughs> I think I think just in general. No, no I, I I think I think just generally speaking, he's very well dressed. Um, is he a half orc or a full orc? I, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't remember. Uh, he's a half orc. Yes, he, he's a, he's a half orc. Um, I don't know how they'll be arriving. Probably by carriage of some sort. Um, and then they have the uh, Marianne, the human woman. Right. Right. He's been sort of scribbling notes along uh, as, you, as you've been saying this, and um, when you're done, he kind of pulls off another piece of paper and quickly writes a sort of covering note on it and hands both of them to you. I can't leave my post here at Westgate, of course, but if you take this to Captain Cutler at the uh, Central Watch House, I'm sure he'll be able to help you further. He's, uh, he's a very reliable sort. How do I get there? Ah, um, have you not been to the city before? Uh, Westgate is about as far as I've been. Ah, okay. Well, uh, you're going to want to carry on on this road. It'll lead you uh, through the outlying uh, districts into the uh, centre of the city proper. Uh, the central watch house is on uh, is on what's called the Square of Heroes. Wide open space, sort of statues, fountains and such. Uh, hard to miss. Um, in fact, I believe the Opera House itself uh, is also sited on this uh, the Square of Heroes. So, uh, two birds with one stone there. Thank you. I, I appreciate, appreciate the help. Of course. Now, be sure not to lose that note. Um, hopefully it'll 
convince Cutler of the uh, seriousness of the situation. Uh, yes. Kirk very carefully takes the paper and tucks it into like an internal pocket. Not in his body, just in his coat. <laughs> we're not putting it in the prison wallet. Like, we're just, just a regular pocket. <laughs> he puts Poorly it away phrased. for safekeeping in the only place he knows will be 100% safe. <laughs> Okay, so, but basically, yeah, you, you've got a couple of miles walk still ahead of you before you reach the centre, or, yeah, however you want to get there. And, uh, yeah, but you you have leave to enter the, through the gate and uh, find your way through. I guess this would maybe be a good time to jump back to uh, to Miri and, uh, and Booga then. So, yeah, you've, you've now been on the, you've been on the road for a little bit. You're, you're looking out of the... The kind of small windows, I mean, this is the carriage you're in. It's got seats, but it's really not um, designed with being like a, you know, usual comfortable passenger carriage in mind. So the most of the windows are kind of panelled, where it would normally have, like, you know, windows on either side, quite large for looking out. There, there's maybe sort of smaller observation sort of windows you don't, they don't want people looking in, but if there's guards, they want the guards to be able to see out. So it's kind of like like a source. It's more like a... Well, funny enough, it's like a letterbox just looking out. <laughs> so you're not fully enclosed, but it's definitely not as, like, much of a view as you would normally have on a carriage ride, I would say. Uh, but yeah, the, as you leave the town, you kind of get a um, fairly familiar look at the woods that you've just spent the last kind of day or so trudging your way through. There is a uh, sudden sort of spark of, of light as uh, Marianne lights a small candle and puts it in the a sort of lantern that's hanging from the ceiling. I'm much obliged. I'll need that to uh, read my book. I'm uh, starting to have some thoughts about the fact that we might be meeting royalty. I suspect I may need to brush up on my decorum a little more, bit more before we get there. This is the important thing is uh, you, you never turn your back on them. Say, um... It, it is uh, considered most rude. Ah, duly noted, duly noted. Oh, we've got quite a ride ahead of us. How, sorry, just um, in, in out of character for a moment, how, how packed is the back of this thing? Are we kind of bunched in with a lot of mail and packages and stuff? Pretty or? much, yeah. I mean, you've got, you're not like, you haven't got like bags on top of you <laughs> kind of thing, <laughs> but like, uh, there's not a lot of leg room. You're kind of bunched up, I would say, on probably like a bench on one side, the three of you. And uh, there's a whole bunch of sacks kind of taking up the other kind of half of the carriage. Okay. You get the feeling this is, you know, Colton's March definitely wasn't the only stop. And you you put a bag or two in when you were helping helping him load. But um, he's come up the up the road all the way from Wild River and probably even further on. Okay. Wild River being a, a larger, the, the, the larger town a little bit down the road from Colton's March. When Marianne lit up the, lit the, the lantern, Mary, very briefly... Woke up in the way that cats do, looked around, went back to sleep. Just kind of just curled up like a like a cat. Mm. Just a cat. So pretty much got in the carriage and fell asleep. Yeah, uh, if there's nothing to look out at the windows, then Mary's <laughs> going to be like, this is really boring. Let's go to sleep. Probably quite cold as well still. So Yeah, it's not. Up. Yeah, I mean, you're out of the wind kind of thing, so you're definitely in a better spot than the... the the, the driver but it's pretty cold out and um yeah it's uh the the, the shelter is is a lot of help really but it's not as warm as it was in the pub <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, the fireplace you're basically sitting in what would be the um the seats 
for guards if it was a particularly dangerous route. You know, which the, the, there weren't any guards on it when you when you joined it, but the, the carriage is outfitted for that. But like, it's there's no heating or anything um, set up in in the carriage itself. I know that Buya is a little bit was a little chilly when we were, uh, I think, camping. But uh, cold does not seem to bother Miri that much. Yeah, lucky. I mean, you've still got your camping gear with you, so I mean, you could probably get the blankets and things out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's still going to be wrapped mm-hmm. up in that blanket cape that I already had, so. Yeah. He's just going to study his book for the most part. Mm-hmm. Go over, pour over details, look to see if there's any kind of chapters about, like, dealing with royalty or, like, high society, the highest society. Okay. And, and sweat a little bit, thinking that he's going to make some kind of bad move. I guess make a history check for me, just to sort of see how well you're taking in this... Um information from the book okay six six okay yeah i mean you kind of flip to some relevant pages and thinking like okay well this is going to be like okay i will find exactly what i need here and what you find is there is a lot to remember here (laughs) some of it seems to contradict other bits some of it seems to be like you spend some time reading a whole passageway and then only to find like after like two three pages that it says but of course this isn't really practiced in modern society anymore mm-hmm. you're, you're you're sort of taking it in but after a while you're kind of glazing a little bit and you're not entirely sure that you're going to be able to remember all of this i think that maybe over time he just kind of dozes off yeah as he's trying to concentrate but just can't really pull it together you're sort of holding the book up like to try and get a good angle on it and um after a while you just kind of sort of end up sort of dozing while holding the book open and just kind of leaning <laughs> on <laughs> leaning against the kind of the the wall of the carriage where and um halfway through a page you, you just kind of doze off cool and i guess we'll ride from there yeah <laughs> The carriage driver is going very fast. Um, you'd put a bit of a sort of impetus on him to be like, no, we need to get to Valenay as soon as possible. And, you know, it's quite some distance, so he's fully intent on the road and that. And, uh, yeah, Marianne falls asleep before you do, Booger, I think. She sort of leans against a, a, a mailbag and just kind of dozes off as well. I'm assuming that we all have, like, one blanket with our camping stuff, so I'm going yeah. to give her my blanket. I'm just going to tuck my blanket in around her. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Like, I'm going to wake up at one point just randomly and be like, oh, she looks cold. I think, yeah, I mean, she hasn't got her own blanket. She'd been given a traveling cloak from the pub when she left. Mm-hmm. Um, she's sort of got that a little bit wrapped around her. But yeah, the, the blanket, is, yeah, that's a nice gesture. You've got your, your tabaxi fur mm-hmm. as well. So that's, just, that's yeah, helping you get, warm, keep warm. Cats are in hot anyway, so. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you, you travel on into the night. Um, Without incident, it seems, for now. And more ominous words were never spoken. <laughs> I was trying not to say them in an ominous way. So <laughs> <laughs> like, everything seems fine for now. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> for now. <laughs> so, uh, okay, well, we'll as I say, a little bit of jumping back and forth here. So, Kiri, how quickly are you, are you, are you kind of rushing to get into the centre? Or are you sort of just, like, now you're allowed in, you're just kind of kind of making your way there bear in mind you're probably still pretty exhausted in general kind of exhausted you've been i think at this point it's been a lot it's been a fairly long day for you yeah i think his first stop is going to be to deliver the message at the town's 
center, and then I think he's probably going to go find mm-hmm. an inn or something. So I think because this is unfamiliar territory and it's really not his favorite place to be in the world, uh, he's going to be taking his time, like making sure that he gets where he's going because he actually has no idea where that is. So he's just following the road very carefully. Yeah, yeah. So the, the first thing that you see when you when you pass through the, the the large gate itself is that you know kind of below the the main fortress is that there actually, it's actually kind of it's almost like a small town kind of around the gate here once you get inside. As I say, it's kind of its own little district. I mean, a lot of that is kind of built up around the fact that like yeah, this is a massive fortress here for the the army. So you know, there's a couple of taverns and it being like the first entrance you know into the main city of a lot of people may have been on the road for a long time there's you know stabling facilities and you know it, it's kind of almost a small town right here around westgate but like you know that like no, we're kind of in the greater uh Valenay area <laughs> here mm-hmm. so um you, you can kind of keep moving and it almost sort of it almost feels like you're heading out of town but you can see sort of on the horizon as you kind of carry on following the road it almost is like you're heading out of town and there's the next town is just there sort of thing almost feeling like you're heading back into countryside but like a not very sparsely populated countryside like looking around you can see the sort of bulk of the wall enclosing the whole area now that you're in here it's not really a basin or anything but it's kind of flat plain lands around here so you can kind of see all the way across to the, the far side where there's again other kind of settlements and that but there's a fairly large area of kind of farmland enclosed within the wall itself as well here you know this was the idea of building the wall this large was like in case of a siege we need to still be able to make food kind of thing but yeah it's it's kind of a couple of miles walk before you start getting towards the the more built up central district mm-hmm. the whole way is as you're going that you know the sort of density is increasing you sort of start passing through what could be like described as neighborhoods and things but that you're, you're still staying on this main kind of king's road it sort of the king's road itself it's sort of it's narrowed a little bit after you've entered through westgate but it's it's still very much like this is the main track through and the further in you get it transitions from well maintained but still a dirt road to cobbled streets and all of a sudden the buildings are starting to get a bit taller and you approach another kind of defensive wall and you realize that this is probably the gateway into the central district things start being signposted which is for as you say it's your first time here so you're not entirely sure where you're going but there's definitely like now you're in civilization they and this is being you know people come here from all over somebody thought hey maybe we ought to let people know where things are so there are definitely you start seeing some signposts you don't really kind of recognize any of the name places straight away uh but among many there is uh the dream glade the whispershore docks the university quarter uh the overlook district which uh that sign seems to point towards the large promontory uh, which kind of looms over much of the city there's um even from here you can see some quite lavish mansions and compounds this sort of seems to be where the wealthy and noble uh make their homes uh there's also on the promontory is the unmissable kind of bulk of the royal palace itself uh which obviously from, from where you are you can see it but it is clear that it can be pretty much seen from much of the city it's it's occupying a pretty large portion of the promontory itself which sort of juts out into and and over the sea 
Finally, uh, you spy a familiar name on a signpost, thankfully. <laughs> it's the, the one you were looking for for the Square of Heroes. Uh, so that's kind of pointing you in the, uh, in the right direction. Thankfully, you're already kind of on the, on the right track for that. Uh, the further into this sort of central city you progress, uh, you quickly become aware of just how busy it has become around you as well, I'll say. Uh, the streets and pavement sidewalks are packed with uh, people just going about their business. Uh, there's carts moving to and fro on the road itself. Uh, just people of all shapes and sizes moving through the city, heading who knows where. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's clear to you now you've made it to the big city. I think as he enters through the gate, and there's he sees like everything essentially mm. it's a little overwhelming so he kind of just sticks off to the side and is like oh I hate this um okay so he steals himself and then makes for whatever building has the most city guard milling about it okay following this I guess you you kind of keeping head down and trying not to sort of <laughs> <laughs> Try not to run into too many people as you, as you go. Yeah. Thing. This walk in from the west gate is probably, I would say, it's a you know it's a couple hours walk if you're just kind of ambling. So you, you get into the central district and see a sign for Square of Heroes, and you're like, right, okay, this is where I'm going, and just kind of try not to make eye contact. There's a lot of scary city people here. Nobody's causing him any trouble, but you, you're able to kind of stay in like the shadow of a of a cart that seems to be heading in the right direction and dodging around people and that and you find yourself in what you finally realize must be the square of heroes and it's a very very large open area which is a sudden it's almost like a shock after all the kind of hustle and bustle that you've been sort of powering through <laughs> for probably the last 15 20 minutes or so it's not like less busy it's just all of a sudden you're not moving between buildings as much and you know, it's not quite quite as dense, and you, you look up and you can see rows of columns with a giant fountain in the middle of this square, and it's probably 200 meters square, or about 600, 700 foot square. Um, sort of, like I say, large open area, rows of columns. Uh, on each column, is a, there's a statue. You don't recognize specifically anybody on them, um, but you, you would guess that they are sort of heroes of... <laughs> heroes of various uh, incidents throughout history and the the fountain itself in the center is um has a large carved slightly abstract form on top of it but with sort of recognizable humanoid shapes within it and all around the square itself are a series of quite grand buildings all of them multi multi-level multi-storied and um, of, of various kind of stone and uh, timber construction. There's still quite a lot of people here, I will say, uh, milling around, sort of some, a lot of them kind of looking at the different, um, different, the bases of the statues, looking at the fountain. There's various food vendors kind of on <laughs> food carts kind of making their way through, you know, sort of the, all of the sounds of shouting and um, and people... It have, on, on an evening out now, I would say, because it's gotten dark by this point. But it is fairly well lit here. There's, you know, there's braziers and lanterns hanging from the buildings and such. Can I get then, I guess, a perception check from you to see if you can see this, see 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 your destination? Sure. All right, dice. This is your kind of last chance here. All right, that's an eighteen. 
18. Okay. You, you sort of take a beat to just sort of take it. As in, you realize you're probably in the right area. And um, with an 18, kind of looking around, a few buildings kind of catch your eye as you're looking for the Grand Watch House. On one corner, there is a, a sort of four-level, um, quite large... I mean, anywhere in the country it would be considered like this is a big manor house, but here it's just kind of on the corner of of a of a street, actually as the on the corner of the King's Road as it comes into the square, and there is a hanging sign from it which says Explorers Guild. Looking around on the far side of the square itself, almost exactly halfway along the square is a very large building with some with marbling on the front and um very intricate carvings and such there's no sign on it but you get a, a sort of musical feeling from the carvings this might be the opera house there's a set of marble stairs heading up to it and looking around you see the other side of the square to that there's a building which does seem to have some guards sort of heading in and out of it against stone construction it, it looks a little bit more kind of less well ornamented and more kind of like this is an official building official kind of day-to-day -day business building than um something like the opera house itself but um yeah you found what you think it probably your destination did i have a specific name of someone that i was supposed to talk to or uh, yeah captain cutler yeah okay captain cutler city watch so kiriku's gonna go up to that building mm-hmm do they stop him outside, or do they let him go inside? You're not stopped as you go in, um, and you, you kind of find yourself in a sort of, almost like a kind of two-story entrance hall here. There's a large waiting area to one side, there's a lot of people sat down, some of whom seem to be in handcuffs. There's various uh, desks set up where people are being booked and interviewed and that, and there's a large sort of reception desk facing the entranceway. I'm, I'm kind of picturing the start of Robocop where there's all the people in the, the police <laughs> yeah. station. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe not quite so chaotic and this town is falling apart kind of vibe. It's more just yeah. like this is a busy, busy police station sort of thing. And uh, you can see behind the desk there is um, uh, what looks to be a uh, female dwarf wearing a pair of glasses and is writing very quickly in a ledger before dealing with the person in front, um, in front of you, essentially. And uh, this person sort of nods and turns around and clutching a, clutching a bag to their, their chest and turns around and, and walks out. So looks up, can I help? Who's next? Kirik steps forward and he brings out the note that he was given. Um, I have a message for Captain Cutler from Westgate. Uh, okay. Um, what was your name? Kirik Woodberth. Kirik, okay. Uh, turns to one side and pulls a... There's a series of hanging ropes. Sort of looks at them for a second and pulls the third one in. And there's, you can hear a distant sort of ringing of a bell. And... Um, you see down the end, sort of far end of the right-hand side of this, this entrance hall, a, a human man looks up from, from his desk, looks towards where you are, and uh, comes and, uh, and joins you at the desk, the dwarf at the desk. Um, this um, person's asking for you, sir. Cat says, uh, it looks pretty impatient. Says, well, what could, out with it then. What can I do for you? Uh, Kirik just hands over the paper, and I think he's going to try and step a little bit to the side to let whoever's next come up to the counter. Yeah. Just generally being unobtrusive. Oh, I 100% feel that. I'm just like, I'm out of the way now. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not let me be a bother. My God, yeah. that would be catastrophic. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, immediately behind you, um, 
tiefling walks up and says, Lieutenant, it's happened again. They beat me up and stole my bagpipes. And the lieutenant says, okay, well, uh, Jimmy, go and have a seat down. You know the plate. Yeah, over there in the waiting area. Thank you very much. It's the third time this week. Said, yes, yes, we'll deal with him. We'll deal with him. Go take a seat. The captain is sort of reading the note as this is going on behind you. Come over here to my desk. Yeah, let's get away from this. And uh, he leads you, Kirik, to uh, the desk that he was sat at uh, further back into the uh, the hallway here. It offers you offers you a chair. Kirik nods a quick little thanks and then sits directly across from him. Right, so uh, my colleague at uh, Westgate says uh, that you, you bring news of a plot against the king uh, at the opera house. Y- yes. Um, and then he relays the story. And he's a little bit slower and like as thorough as he can be. Yeah. He's, he's kind of patiently listening and um, seems to be sort of making, jotting down some notes as you're talking. Mm-hmm. When you say about the uh, the plot being sort of based around the opera house, he sort of frowns a little bit, says, uh, well, it's not really uh, not really my thing, but I believe I saw some posters for the opening night of the new season, was it? I, I believe so. Right, right. As you sort of finish your story, he uh, he kind of finishes writing up his notes and um, then sort of rubs the bottom of his face. He's slightly unshaven um, before looking back up at you. And here's the thing, Mr. Woodberth. Um, without evidence, without a first-hand witness, I can't do much more at this stage than write a report, I'm afraid. It's not that I don't believe you, trust me. You certainly seem legitimately concerned, but uh, you've got to understand... We simply don't have the manpower to follow up every uncorroborated story that gets brought through these doors. Uh, I, c- I can make a report, I can send something up to the uh, up to the King's guards and, and whatnot. Not that I expect to hear back from them, but that's another story. Um, but we'll need your witness, uh, Marianne, I think you said. Um, mm-hmm. We'll need her, at the very least, if you want to take this further. Well, they're, they're on their way, so I think if you can send guards to go to the opera house my friends will get here in the morning and then they can come in and we can give you a more thorough statement well as i said i, I can't really spare anyone at the moment that's that's the issue here um tell you what though you say she's coming in the morning bring her in we'll take a full statement from her and um i'll see what i can do trust me we do take threats to the royal family and uh, such very seriously but um as i say without evidence uh well, look around. We've got a lot on our plate right now. It's been very clear since you walked in that this is a very busy uh, watch house. I mean, obviously this is the central one, but yeah, he's... He did, there's no lie here. They are very busy. Is it, a, is it usually this busy, or is it just... We're always busy, yeah. But, uh, well, budget cuts recently haven't helped matters. Uh, plus, uh, well, I guess this time of year, always, uh, always a little bit rowdy. People love to celebrate Frostfire season. If you say so. Yeah, and, well, let's just say the ale doesn't run out quite so quickly here as it does out in the uh, out in the sticks. Is there an inn around here that's a little slightly quieter by any chance? Yes, um, I s- assume you're looking for somewhere to stay tonight. Um, you come out here, take a left. Uh, you'll see uh, one of the side roads called Baker Street. Uh, head up, uh, well, short ways up there. There's a place called the the Half Full Cask. Um, a little bit less rowdy than uh, a few of the drinking establishments in this area. 
In fact, if you're looking for quiet, it's uh, probably best you steer clear of the square altogether. Tends to bring in the tourists, uh, those out for a good time on a weekend. Thank you, sir. Just be sure to bring your bring your witness in uh, first thing in the morning. We can uh, get the ball rolling on this. Of course. He stands up. Well, if there was nothing else, Kirik follows suit. I will. Uh, I will speak to you in the morning then. Uh, Kirik just gives him a nod and heads back out the way that he came. Okay. Um, is there like any indication of how you would get to Baker Street? Um, not really. <laughs> no, I mean, there's some, I say, the, the signposting on the on the on the streets themselves. Um, so it might just be a matter of exploring a little bit. The, the way he sort of said it, it sort of implied it was like it's one of the roads off of the square, really. Okay. Yeah, Kirik will just make his way as best he can. Yeah. Breathing a pretty heavy sigh of relief once he's off the main stretch. Yeah. It takes you a little... I'd say it probably takes you five minutes. You kind of do like a little bit of a sort of loop around the square to try and find this road. And eventually you do. It's it's not the most... Uh, it's not the closest um, of the of the sort of side roads. But yeah, you, you do find your way down. And it's very quickly the uh, the buildings are sort of closing in on either side. Which I would imagine is like a little bit more out of Kirik's comfort zone. Yeah, a little claustrophobic. But at least there aren't a billion people. Yeah. The, the the street you're stepping onto, I mean, it's it's not deserted at all or anything, but it's a little bit less sure. of a kind of main drag than the King's Road was. Um, I said the buildings are a little bit close together, but um, true to his true to his words, uh, there is a um, an inn. Well, I mean, there's several inns along here, but you find the one that he he recommended um, after a few minutes of walking, just down one side, and yeah, it 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 does appear to be not quite as um, as rowdy as some of the ones you pass. There's one called you definitely pass one called the the thirsty tap, which uh, does appear to have like seemingly you hear it as you as you're coming as you're passing and as you're going. There seems to be like a non-stop kind of mixture of like fifty percent like chug 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 and just the sounds of punching um, <laughs> as you go. <laughs> and nobody really seems to be sort of intervening in that, so maybe that was not the best place for a, a quiet night. But you find yourself to the half full cask. And um, I'm not saying it's empty. There is definitely, you know, there's a few people kind of sat around tables in the in the main sort of room as you as you enter. But it's more kind of quiet conversation being had, and there is a there's a fireplace blazing. And uh, unlike your um, your trip to the or the second pub you went to in uh, Colton's March, um, there's no kind of like scraping of tre- you know stopping of music and everybody kind of looking around to see. You know uh, who the uh, who the sort of non-locals are. You know you're pretty much you walk in and everyone's keeping themselves themselves. They're not like looking. You're not getting odd looks of like who's this or anything like that. You know this is very much like people are used to there being some mm-hmm. unfamiliar faces here. So if anything, this is slightly more welcoming than, um, than the reception you got in uh, Colton's March. I was going to say if you want, we can just sort of say you're able to get yourself a room and that would. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah, but you're able to. If you want to just sort of move it along, you're able to get yourself a, a room. Are you are you looking for sort of one just for yourself, or like with an eye towards maybe we ought to have room for the others when they get here as well, or? Uh. Or are you just looking for a place to just like give me somewhere quiet to lie just, down in a dark room? <laughs> yeah, I think he's just looking to crash, and then we'll yeah. see what the others want to do when they get there. Okay, so the the uh, you're able to get one at a price of 10 silver a night here 
little pricier, I think, than than you're used to out in the country. But hey, that's the city. Yeah, it'll get you. Glad I only got the one room. <laughs> but also, I'm pretty sure that he got money off of one of the corpses, so he's okay. That's true. You did pickpocket the corpses. <laughs> Not entirely, just a little bit. They don't just need like it. Enough. What are they going to yeah, do with it? They're dead. Yeah. No one needs to know but me. It's not like you took it off the eyes of a corpse in a, like a mortuary or anything, like. No. This was this was yeah. <laughs> totally fine. No, yeah, it's totally no, fine. No one needs to worry about it. Pay it forward. Yeah, exactly. It's been a long day. You pretty much, probably just crash. I would guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Miri and Booger, you're kind of awoken. Finally, I mean, you you find it oddly. I would say oddly comfortable in the back of this after a while you know you, you the, the rhythm of the the carriage and that you you would imagine maybe that oh this is going to be a bumpy ride especially the speed you're going but after a while you just kind of get used to it and you find you actually have slept for a good portion of the journey and you're sort of awoken almost as the the first rays of sun start kind of creeping their way through the uh the small uh window flaps on the side of the carriage it's but you, you don't recognize the countryside that you're heading through uh, as you as you wake up, but it, it still has the sort of dusting of snow that um, you were used to as you were uh, as you left the village uh, the previous evening. And uh, yeah, but the sun is coming up. It appears you are still on the move as well. Still seem to be going a pretty pretty fast uh, clip there. Okay. Mary will uh, do big stretch and um, you know very loudly do the 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 big cat yawn. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Be ready. Yeah, likewise, Boogle will maybe wake up from the sound of the, the cat giving its a meow or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll stretch and be like, oh, morning all. And he'll peer out the window. Oh, it looks like we've made some distance. Don't recognize this land. Yeah, this is fun. I like, I like traveling and like seeing new places. It's cool. Hopefully we're close. Um, is is there any means of like is there a slot or anything that I could pull back to like get to the driver to contact? Uh, there's a hatch in the ceiling. Okay. I mean, it's obviously the the doors, but like you probably don't want to open the door as you're traveling along. No, not so um, much. Don't really want to have to crawl along the, the side of the yeah. wagon. <laughs> as, as as action packed and cool as that would be, <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> Needless. Yeah, there's a hatch in the roof you can get through. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll check and see where we are then. And Booger will pop his head up out. Uh, good fellow. Are we are we close to the capital yet? He turns to look at you and he looks very tired. But he's like quite like you know bags under his eyes. He gives you a thumbs up and goes, "Should be at Westgate within the hour." Ah, oh, good, good. You see, he's got like a flask next to him. He's sipping from, and it you get the, a whiff of it just as he takes a, a drag, and that's the strongest coffee you've ever smelled. <laughs> You'd use that to strip paint off a fence. Nice. Like tar. <laughs> yeah. That may be the only thing that's kept him on the road. The horses also certainly look a little bit um a little bit tired. But yeah, they're uh <laughs> they're they're still going. You get the feeling maybe I mean you slept through it, but maybe you stopped at a certain point in the night and uh, got water and, and some food for them. Mm -hmm. But um yeah. You're definitely out of the woods. I mean lit literally out of the woods. I mean, um, at this point, as you're sort of traveling uh, around a kind of curve in the uh, in the road, as you, you're sort of 
half out of the hatch is what I'm sort of picturing. And um, as the as the uh, as the carriage kind of rounds a bend in the road, you get a sort of look down quite broad hill. You know, this is not you're not not steep in any way. It's just kind of a sort of downward slope in the uh, in the terrain a little bit, and you can see. As it, at Tudor's word again, like in the distance, the uh, quite imposing sight of defensive wall ringing around uh, Valane, and um, you can see the the large fortress of the Sapphire Keep at Westgate, with the road stretching down towards it. Some distance, but you can see it. So, is he gonna drop us at the gate, or uh, do we get a? I don't know. There's probably a millhouse within. Maybe the millhouse is within, this, within the city proper, and I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. It's up to you. You can ask him to drop you if you want. I mean, it might just get us straight through the gate without any kind of questions if we're just in the back of the mail cart. That, that's our business. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we'll, we'll just hunker down then and uh, ride out the rest mm-hmm. of this uh, hour or whatever it was. Sure. Uh, so yeah, he. Um, I mean, it's. Kind of, like I say the, the sunlight is up, but it's kind of sort of early hours. He slows down as he as he approaches Westgate. To the the horses sort of slow to, you know, a bit of bit of a sort of a trot rather than a gallop. <laughs> um, but they are. Um, they're definitely still sort of overtaking some of the slower uh, traffic as you go in, and as as you thought, the uh, the mail carriage has been the. Um, but the you know the insignia on the side and everything is has bought you a little bit of um, immunity to bureaucracy, I guess. <laughs> and there's this you know looking out of the windows, you can see soldiers there, and they just kind of wave wave them through. Well, the only thing I want to ask them is, we probably know that Kirik came through Westgate, so we should find out where he is. They might be good good place to start. That's true. If you, I mean, if you want to. He's pretty distinctive. Okay, so I'll ask the... I'm going to pop out the top of the... Um, sir, Rickard, R- Rickard is your name, right? And, um, yeah. That's okay. right. Okay, uh, can you can you stop real quick? And I want to ask the guards a question. And then I'll be right back. No problem. Okay. He's kind of... He's, he's shaking a little bit. He's wired <laughs> uh, from the coffee. <laughs> he, whoa, whoa. And he brings the horses to a stop. Okay. You're already I mean, kind of through the gate, but like, yeah, pretty, yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna like uh, pop out the the back of the carriage real quick, mm-hmm. and uh, go up to one of the guards and say, uh, "Have you seen a, have you seen a um, furball come through here? Um, it was, it was uh, a tall guy. His name is Carrick, and he's a, uh, he's a, uh, here, and he, he might have mentioned us that we were coming after, and we're gonna see him soon, and uh, we're, we're gonna try to save the king." We have a, a, an opera singer, and she's got a, um, a story to tell, and then we've got to try and save the king, I think, maybe. Have you seen a fearbulk? The guard you're speaking to... Um, it's just the first guard I come to. The first guard you come to. Yeah, it's, it's the guy, the first one you come to is a, uh, is a halfling, um, halfling woman who just kind of looks up at you. Hey, we had someone here yesterday talking about saving the king. Oh, yeah. Um, do you know where where he went? Well, probably into town. Um, I, I wasn't on duty then, but I think the captain was... Uh, looks over there as a... Um, kind of tired looking, but he's sort of start the shift, sort of looking. The captain's there just a bit with a, a large mug of tea in front of him, and he's mm-hmm. just sort of observing the road. Shouts over, Captain, didn't, um, wasn't, didn't you have people coming through yesterday talking about saving the king? 
Captain turns around. Oh, we have three or four every day, but uh, which one was it? He, he was a he was a furwog. Um, he's he's very tall. Oh, the opera singer one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we sent him to the Square of Heroes. Okay. Um. Thank you. Uh. Do Do you know where in the in the Square of Heroes? Uh. To anyone specific or? Uh, only to the uh the 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 main uh, the main watch house there. Um, Captain. Uh, who did I send him? To? Probably Cutler. I sent him to Captain Cutler. Okay. Thank you. Um, it's very helpful. We'll go find Captain Cutler. And I'm gonna hop back into the carriage. And I'm gonna ask... Actually, I'm gonna ask Rickard. Uh, Rickard, would you, would you, uh, drop us off in the Square of Heroes? We're sure, that's, uh, that's, uh, well, a little off my usual route, but I, I, can, I can swing back to the sorting center. Yeah, no problem. That'd be awesome, thank you. You get back in, you close the thing, you just hear, yeah, and then the horse is set off again. I like the image of dude with like pinprick pupils, like <laughs> just kind of sitting there, like vibrating in his seat. Yeah, like Fry in that one episode where he drink three hundred coffees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it, you you don't have quite as long of a, a wait to get through uh, to the town as uh, Kirik's walk was. Um, so after about 10-15 minutes, the buildings start getting larger around you. you. You're out of the countryside, sort of farmland, and um, very quickly the, you're sort of back in shadow as the all the sun is sort of blocked out by these, you know, buildings around here. I mean, it's we're kind of in a sort of fantasy setting, but you know, the, we're still looking at sort of four or five stories of some of these buildings. This is this is a fairly, this is the most well built up area of the, of the country, and. Um, but even at this early hour, I mean, I guess it's you could probably say it's probably about six o'clock in the morning. There's still a lot of people walking around. Uh, I would say, in in contrast to the previous night where Kirik was trying to find somewhere, a few less drunk people. There's less of a rowdy vibe. More of a there's some hungover people and there's some people who are up for work early in the morning and and yeah, it's it's a little frosty as well. I will say, you know, this is you're back on the northern coast here and the city's right on the on the coast. So it, it's pretty cold, I will say. There's um, the morning frost is sort of. There's definitely like a little bit of a kind of sea mist has sort of rolled in, and it's it's quite chilly as you, you sort of look out of the windows. Um, people are, are wrapped up against the the cold and uh, yeah, sort of trudging through. It, it doesn't look like there's been a particularly heavy snow here at all or anything. So people aren't kind of like fighting their way through snowdrifts or anything, but it just doesn't look particularly warm out. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the the buildings suddenly reach a sort of break as uh, as Rickard pulls the uh, the carriage into the sort of the road that rings the uh, square of heroes and he slow comes comes to a, a a stop and knocks on the top and says, well, "We're at the square." Oh, thank you, Rickard. Um, well, we'll uh, we're gonna go find Kirk now. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, any, anything just anything to save the king? I'm uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you for your assistance. Mm-hmm. I'll be sure to mention you and your help. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you run into me again, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> this has been an adventure for me. Mm-hmm. No, no, go get some rest. You look like you could use it. Oh, I'm, I'm good to go. I can do it again. <laughs> I suggest you ah! don't. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear uh, the sound of a, a bell ringing, and you go, God, look at the time. Oh, I need to get this post in. Oh. I'm, uh, well, 12 hours early. Probably a record. It doesn't matter. <laughs> then I need to get it in. 
and he, he goes, uh, uh, "Good luck." And he, and he uh, yeah, and the, the horses set off again. Slightly, the horses themselves are looking pretty, uh, pretty ragged at this point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're not quite. He doesn't quite get the turn of speed out of them. And this last one is. Um, as he had previously as they just sort of trot off and that but you, you watch him sort of make a sort of slight loop and he, you see him attempt to make a turn and then decide to just do a full loop of the square and then he, he as he passes you again waves his hat at you and then disappears back off uh, of one of the side roads I do hope he lets those horses rest soon yeah yeah me too well let's uh should we, we should try and find Kirik first there's got to be an inn or something around here. Bound to be where they are. Yeah. Um. Well, I was I was gonna go ask it at the guardhouse and see if and if Kirk was there. Ah, good idea. Let's let's do that first, and then, well, I'll keep my eyes peeled on the way. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we walk into. Uh, do you want us to do the same perception check to see if we can figure out where the guardhouse is? Uh. Yeah. Sure. All right. Nineteen. Oh yeah, no, no problem at all. Mm -hmm. Looking around, yeah, you, you sort of take in again, uh, much like Kirik did. You sort of take in the, uh, the scenery here, and again, you, you also notice the. Okay, that you pick out. That's probably the opera house. That's you know, that look. Oh, explorers guild. That's interesting. And oh, that's a nice fountain. And ah, there it is. That's the, that's the watch house. It's just the other side of the square from you. So nice. No problem at all. So I assume the three of us are popping in there. Mir will be in lead, just sort of like scouting ahead, mm -hmm. as usual. Sure. It's not quite as busy as it was the previous evening, but there's uh, as you step inside this uh, the watch house, there's, there's still fair hustle and bustle as the uh, the dregs of the previous evening are being processed. There is a quite frazzled looking uh, dwarf on the front desk as you walk over. Yeah, how can I help? Hi, um, we're looking for our friend, uh, Kirk, he's a, he's a fair bulk. um, we're, we're here to see Captain, Captain Cutler, to see if maybe, uh, he saw Kirk. Ah, uh, there he is, just, uh, just coming on shift. <laughs> Rather than pulling the bell this time, the lieutenant shouts across to, uh, you see a human man is just walking out of a side, uh, room with a, um, a mug of, well, it looks to be either tea or coffee, it's, either way it's steaming. Did just bring it to his lips as she, as she shouts. Captain Cutler! And he just sort of stops. What is it, Lieutenant? Um, hello, Mr. Mr. Captain Cutler, sir. Um, we're looking for a friend, um, uh, Kirk. He's a, he's a verbal, uh, we were here to, um, potentially maybe save the king. And, um, we're looking for him. Verbog. Oh, yes, uh, I, uh, I spoke to your friend, uh, last night. Um, something about a, a plot at the Opera House. Well, do you, do you know where... Do you know where he's been? Do you know Do you know where he is right now? Because we have to we've got to find him. Well, I don't know where he is right now, of course, but um, I did point him towards some lodgings. Uh, he was looking for an inn to stay at. Um, where was it? Oh, the the half full cast down on Baker Street. That's where I sent him. Um, I'm expecting him back in. Actually, uh, he's meant to be bringing me a material witness to this uh, this investigation. He, he sort of looks at all of you. I'm assuming that's actually one of you, then. Oh, so maybe we should just um, wait here, uh, and he'll come in. Uh, what do you think, Booker? Absolutely. No point traipsing around the place. We might as well stay in the warm. Yeah, it is definitely warmer in here than out out in the uh, 
out in the square itself. Maybe this is a convenient time to bring Kirik in as well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, do you guys want to start we giving... split the party, let's unsplit the party. Yeah. <laughs> Marianne sort of, uh, as he uh, says, oh, material witness, uh, Marianne steps forward here. Uh, that, that is probably uh, probably me, uh, Captain. Yes, this is this is Marianne. Um, she uh, is an opera singer, and uh, she's supposed to perform soon for for uh, I don't know the opening right of the season, I think. And and this yeah. Uh, so this is where we got the idea that that maybe um, someone who stole her face was gonna was gonna try something naughty. He gestures for you to follow him. Well, if you want to uh, join me at my desk, we can uh, get this started before your friend gets here. Uh, we can go over what he told me, and uh, maybe you can fill in any gaps. Uh, it leads the way to uh, a desk with uh, three chairs in front of it, um, and seats himself behind it. Shuffles some paperwork. Oh, here we go. Uh, right, so uh, your friend brought this in last night. Note from uh, our colleagues over at the Westgate Garrison, who took the initial statement. So... You, uh, he sort of looks at Marianne, who nods. You were uh, attacked in the woods outside of Colton's March, um, some 80 miles from here, he scribbles on the note, by persons unknown who you believe are intending to impersonate you in order to get close to the king at tonight's uh, opening at the Opera House. Is that about the long and short of it? Marianne kind of um, shuffles in her chair and says, uh, Yes, uh, they forced my carriage off of the road, um, killed my manager and our driver and our guard. Um, the one of them, who I, I don't know if she was their leader or not, but she looked directly in my eyes and her face, it, it changed. It, it became like mine. I'm sorry you had to go through that, miss. Um... This, uh, this face stealing, this, uh, good old mess. We see some stuff here, but that's a new one on me. And maybe this is the time that Kirik joins. <laughs> yeah, Kirik will come in. Yeah. Um, and once he sees everyone is seated at, uh, Cutler's desk, he'll just, as quietly as possible, pull up a chair from another desk and sit down with the group. Okay, make a stealth check. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's funny. Because why not? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so that was a critical failure. So I imagine that he tries to go to a desk <laughs> that is currently occupied, and he grabs a hold of the chair that's in front of it and starts scraping it across the floor, and it is the loudest, cringiest sound, and he knows it, and he's like wincing as he does it, but he doesn't stop, and it, for some reason, he thinks going slower will make it better somehow, but it doesn't. It just makes it last longer until everybody in that station is looking at him, and also, he is blushing feverishly as he pulls the chair over to the desk. Okay. He pulls the chair uh, across to the desk. It's the loudest, most I don't know, awkward, annoying screeching you've ever heard. <laughs> you deposit the chair finally at the desk. Everyone in here is staring at you, including the person who was sat in the chair. And they get up and go, fine, I will find another seat. You took an occupied chair. 
Yeah, you did say someone was sat at the desk. Well, um, it's a critical failure, so... Yeah, yeah. You're just like... you're In my head, so you're looking around, you're going, I need to get a chair. I'm just going to be... Like, you've just kind of looked down and gone, that's the back of a chair, and you've grabbed it, and you're not. You're just kind of looking where you're going rather than at the chair as you're dragging it. Mm-hmm. And the chair's not particularly heavy at all or anything, but you're just, just scraping it as you turn around and put it There was some poor halfling place. that was sitting in there. Yeah, there, there's a gnome sat in it who's with, like, a little wispy beard who's just looking up at you. Um, he's a police officer as well. He's got, like, a little armor on, and he just, just stands up and just looks at, at Cutler and says... I told you this would happen, Cutler. I told you I need a gnome-specific chair at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of raises his head and walks off. <laughs> you now have a chair to sit in. Oh, he sits as low as possible, and he yeah. might be contemplating just dying on the spot. Booga <laughs> kind of turns to him and goes, Don't you dare do anything like that in front of the king. That was one hell of an arrival. Can I kill myself? Is that an option? Well, I, guess, I suppose it wasn't all that bad. Anyway. Uh, good to see you all the same. Hi. Mary, Mary bats his knee and she's like, No, it's lovely. You're great. I love you. You're here. It's fun. We're here. Cutler is just going to stare. <laughs> <laughs> At these three nut jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, anyway, uh, Cutler, uh, where were you? Um, yes, the, the plot against the king. We, yes. We, we shouldn't tarry any longer. Right. <laughs> of course. Oh, well, I need to talk to Corporal Squires uh, later on to iron all that out. Don't worry about it. Um, yes. He uh, he nods to you, Kirik. Uh, f- following on from our discussion last night, I uh, I sent a report up to the, uh, the Royal Guards, uh, as per usual, I've uh, received nothing back from them, but at least they've been made aware of what you told me. Um, I did inquire as to the possibility of taking the investigation further, uh, but the commissioner was not convinced on uh, your word alone, Mr. Woodberth, I'm afraid. I did, however, take it upon myself while off duty to have a quiet word with a friend of mine who is uh, employed over at the Opera House. Just a quiet word, mine. I can't ruffle any feathers without authorization. He, uh, he was able to tell me that uh, young Mr. Rand here was uh, not expected until this evening, uh, just prior to the performance itself, so uh, she's not been seen there. Marianne kind of cuts in. Yes, uh, that is how these things usually go. Um, my manager, he, he thought it uh, added to my uh, mystique, my, uh, how would you say, uh, star power, to, uh, to arrive in such a way. Uh, so if they haven't been there, we have an opportunity to go and beat them to the opera house. Potentially. I suppose we should we should talk to the people and um you know talk to them about the real Marianne. Can I suggest to you, Captain, that um you get some of your men in here to uh, get a good look at this girl, make sure that they memorize her face and then keep their eye about town, so that if they see somebody matching her description, that isn't with us then we can be alerted yeah uh well we have a sketch artist on staff maybe he'll be helpful ah found idea he picks up a small bell on his desk and rings it the uh the frazzled lieutenant from the um front desk uh, comes over uh, what can i do for you captain lieutenant I- i'm gonna need officer thompson for a uh can you go and fetch him for me please uh, right, right away sir 
She hurries off. Cutler sort of twiddles his fingers for a second. Gonna get any of you a uh, coffee or something while we wait? Um, yes, I'll, I'll take a hot drink. Coffee's fine. But yes, coffee, coffee would be lovely. Thank you. I've been enough of a bother this morning, I think. <laughs> Just gonna sit here and try not to make any more waves. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Trying very hard to be invisible. Yeah. Yeah, well, see yourself. He sort of uh, steps into the. Uh, there was a sort of break room and um, comes back with a pair of coffees for, for each of you. Uh, Marianne has not asked for one. A half elf comes up to the the desk at this point. Oh, you, you wanted to see me, Captain? Not in full uniform, I will say. It's got like a badge hanging off of the their sort of general kind of. Um, it got kind of an overcoat on and that, but you get the feeling they're more of like a sort of contractor. Given a bit more leeway in terms of uh, wearing full armour and things like that. Bit of a different one for you here, officer. Um, Going to need you to just knock up a couple of quick portraits of uh, Mr. Rand here uh, for um, identification purposes. The um, half-elf sort of nods and kind of moves around, sort of getting... It's, it's almost like he's kind of getting a good view in 3D, almost, <laughs> of, of Marianne's face. Uh, before pulling up another chair quite a bit quieter than Kirig did. <laughs> it's quite intensely sort of looking as he pulls out like a sketch pad and um, quite quickly over the course of sort of five, ten minutes draws like a, a pretty faithful representation of Marianne's face from like a sort of profile kind of uh, view. Turns his sketchbook round to show Cutler. What do you think, Captain? Cutler nods. Well, it's, well it looks pretty good to me. Not some of my best work, but serviceable, I think. Well, you, you're the artist. Uh, you just do us another one and, uh, yeah, then uh, leave them with me. The half-elf quickly rattles off another pretty perfect <laughs> portrait of Marianne um, and uh, leaves you all at the table. Well, we can use these then to uh, at least uh, give the boys uh, uh, an idea of uh, who they're looking for. Good thinking there. Excellent. Well, now that that's done, to the opera house. Yes, let's go. Let's go. Let, uh, talk to the to the people there at the opera house. Cutler sort of uh, nods. Says, well, okay. Well, <clears throat> if you're planning on uh, going over there, asking questions yourself, try and keep me in the loop if you can. I'm going to have uh, a word with, another word with the commissioner. Now we've got uh, Mr. Rant's uh, first-hand statement. Hopefully, we'll be able to make some moves based on that. But. Um, all I can say is, uh, be careful over there. At the very least, I'll uh, try and head over there later myself, give a bit of uh, extra security to the king. He sort of stands up. Poor uh, A thought hits him. Oh, just one last thing. Rummages in his desk for a second and pulls out what looks like a little medallion, kind of like a little uh, challenge coin type thing. Mm -hmm. a any of my boys uh, stops you in, in regards to this uh, investigation. Just, um, this is my identification uh, number. Just, uh... Show him this and uh, get him to talk to me. That doesn't. This doesn't give you. I want to stress. This does not give you license to commit any kind of uh, crimes or vigilante behaviour of any sort. We never would. Rest assured, we're not those kinds of people. Well, good to hear it. This is just to show that you are. You have liaised with us and you are continuing to liaise with us and help us with our inquiries. We we'll hold on to it. We don't want it falling into the wrong hands. All right. Uh, Mira nods and. 
she grabs the coin. Okay. And walks out the door. All right. So, yeah, the the four of you um, head back out into the, uh, the Square of Heroes. It's a chilly day, but the sun is now up and... Visible across the way from you, across the square, is the uh, the large bulk of the Opera House. Your next destination, I would guess. that's going to do it for this episode uh, we'll be back in two weeks time on Thursday February 29th for the next chapter of this story and we hope you'll all join us for that in the meantime you can find us online at pretendingwithdice.com there's links on there to everything that we do online our social media pages our discord server ko-fi page merch store and uh, yeah much much more uh, so yeah for now that's our show we hope you all enjoyed it we'll see you next time <laughs>